Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Dead Serious, the podcast where I, Paul Verhoeven, talk to my ex-cop dad who then became a firefighter and then ran a funeral home. So this season we've been dealing with dad's time, you know, working at a funeral home, dealing with dead bodies, dealing with death. And if you recall, last time we were dealing with dad's uh, time at Kinsella Funeral Homes back in the, I think it was the... Was it the early 90s, Dad? Yeah, early 90s. Early 90s, yeah. So back in the early 90s, and we had just talked about your time um, getting involved with embalming and what that actually entailed. And I kept, I guess, getting a bit spun out by the fact that this was your job. And you mentioned to me that you had this one particular day which kind of ran the gamut of all of the different emotional moments and all of the, you know, the highs and lows and the absolute horrors that, could be involved in a really intense day working at a funeral home. Are you feeling emotionally ready to talk about that day with me today? Paul, yes. <laughs> you, you feel free to give me a little more than yes, but okay. No, okay. I'm cool. I'm cool. Yeah, sure. So it was a particularly... Shall I start now or well, do you need to say anything else? Or I mean, for, we well, first it? of all, like, I guess what I'm curious about is um, when you get to work at a funeral home, what time are you clocking in is it shift work is it like is it a nine to five or how does it work generally speaking it was um dare i say it should we say maybe 7 a.m till maybe 3 or 4 p.m oh okay so like pretty much school hours basically Hmm. yeah and this was in a beautiful location on the northern beaches we were opposite the beach Hmm. if you walked across the road it was you're basically walking onto the sand that building doesn't kept... exist anymore, by the way. It doesn't. It's it's just no, not there. no. They 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 sold the entire um, building, and there's now a fruit market, which is kind of weird. And that's a bit weird. Yeah, a couple of people live above it. I don't know whether they are aware of what used to be beneath them. I think mm. they'd be fairly uh, well. I I think I'd feel a bit funny. Hang if on, I was living. Are you saying that there's people who might be living in a place where they didn't realise all of this stuff that we Correct. talk about? That's, yeah, that's weird. That's weird. Yeah, particularly um, it's been a long time. Yeah, um, and I don't, and I think a lot of people actually wouldn't like to know. I do know that in real estate, there are obligations in law. Yeah, and they weren't always in law. But have you ever thought about all the terrible, terrible, horrendous, scary, frightening, fucked up things you've written about in two books? Have you ever thought about quite often occurred? Mm-hmm. in private homes. Yeah. Um, Do you ever think about what happens after that terrible, gory scene happens? I mean, someone has to come in, specialists, yep. 
which is a real niche market, something I'd considered getting into. Um, and they've even done TV shows about cleaners that come in and clean up after yeah. horrendous things. But ultimately, that house or apartment is then sold. Now, is there an obligation to, to tell the new owner that someone hung themselves in the bedroom? Or, I, mean, I would like to know. There is a... Um... There was an amazing day where in the lead up to the first Loose Units book, you took myself and Tegan on a kind of like a trip around mm. to all the different locations. Because in order to write about these things, because I was, you know, basing a book on these places, I needed to, you know, see them. Mm. And we went to the house and we stood outside the fence to the house mm. where the witch took place. Correct. In Mossman. Um, and was it Mossman? Yeah. And you've never, we've never mentioned the name of that street. No, and I don't think we can. But no. someone, someone lives in a house where that happened and they probably don't know. So listeners, just just think about that for a second. Think about your house and think about what could have happened there that you weren't aware of. It's like Poltergeist at the end where they realise the whole the whole housing estate was built on, a, on an Indian you know burial what? ground. You can go down the rabbit hole with this particular uh, train of thought, which we yeah. won't do today, Paul. I think you want me to get into the the nitty-gritty of a particular day that stands out in my career uh, working for Consellers. But just let me say that, um, you know how, particularly renters, um, you rent an apartment, generally an apartment. Yeah. And if the walls could speak, would we really want them to? No. Imagine if, no. And have you ever been into a house? You, Paul, may recall that we had a house on the northern beaches that was built by the stonemasons and they quarried the sandstone from a gully nearby but they were the stonemasons that built St Patrick's College which was a seminary on the eastern hill in Manly yeah it looks like Hogwarts it's a big building. do you do you you might not know this do you know why we sold that house Paul <laughs> am I going to like this reveal there was a part of the lounge room yeah that was always cold no matter what we did. Now, we never discussed that with you children. I, that house, yeah. had bad juju. Shit. And Christine and I, we, we used to pump the heat. Yeah. We, even, we got the most beautiful gas fireplace. We did everything we possibly could, but there was an area in the lounge room that remained almost like being inside a fridge and that was quite upsetting but more more upsetting the the straw that broke the camel's back is that one day your brother mm -hmm. when he was about five he came in into the house and he looked he was ashen white and we said to mark mark what's what's wrong and he said there's a man sitting out in the garden. Now, Christine and I knew there was only one way that a man or woman or any living being could possibly get into our backyard, and that was to be rappelling down a rope from a helicopter above our property. There was no way on earth a human could get into our backyard because it was so secure. I remember. And we went outside, and he described this person vividly. And we then began to realise that something was not right. 
And there was another incident where someone saw someone underneath the house. What? Yep. What? Um, yeah, some, some. There was some weird shit happening at that place. And tell um, me, no, no, please, please continue because I um. I recall feeling. Now, is this the one in Harbord? Is this the one? Well, that... maybe don't be so specific, mate, because it's it's a really it's a historic heritage house. So, okay, we don't want to be too specific, but you know, to the locals, um, you know, they'll probably it 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 could be one of a few houses in that particular street. Talk but, me talk me through some of these other things that happened. Well, Christine and I we we became um, we became obsessed with buying that place because it had been owned prior by a marine carpenter who was so OCD, yeah, he was insane. One of the things he did, dear listeners, is that we had a beautiful pine floor that was about 100 years old. What he did, he turned the floor boards upside down so that they looked as though they were brand new, he then had these special copper nails designed and manufactured and he inserted those. And it was just, it was a labour of love. But it was one of those things where we thought we really, really wanted it. And then when we got it, almost from the first day, we began to feel this sense of almost dread. Now, we never ever conveyed that onto you children, obviously. But there was something about that house that we could never ever make it feel right. It always had this kind of almost sad feel about it and it it had a historic tree in the backyard like a Morton Bay fig that was probably about 150 years old Mm -hmm. and it was actually heritage listed believe it or not the tree Um, but we never felt right and then you, you kids that occasionally say things to us about you know just weird stuff that Christine and I would look at each other and go you know what this is just there's something not right here. Now, I'm, I, I'm not saying I do or don't believe in the supernatural, but um, it, yeah, look, it's just let's just say that we uh, we 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 sold the place, we made no money, and we uh, and we got out of there. Could you do me a favor and tell me about the, this thing about someone under the house? I had a wine collection under the house, mm-hmm. and the description from. You and from also Mark, it was always the same description of the same person. And he was wearing a grey coat and he looked probably in his 70s and he had a hat. He looked like someone from the 1930s in Australia and he would just appear. And then um, I'd always go out and and, and I I knew that there was never anyone there. But that's... Oh God, it's it's incredible to think. And I used to go under the house, and I used to to look for for any sign that any human had ever been underneath there. And I I could never find anything. But I remember at a certain point underneath the house, thinking because I went to directly underneath the lounge room where the where the cold was. Now the cold was not under the house. The cold was only in the lounge room in this particular spot. And coldness is generally associated with something not quite right. And as I said, there was no way onto our property. No way. Right. So we, uh, we, we sold the place. I, you know, what's weird is I was in my teens here and I don't remember ever telling you that I'd seen anyone under the building. Mm. Well, some things you just, um, you, you forget for lots of reasons. 
So I know, Dad, this is really leading somewhere interesting, okay? Now, for the past couple of months, occasionally you mention creepy shit, and we always say, all right, let's deal with the spooky, spooky stuff further down the line. And I know we want to talk about your big, horrifying day at work at Kinsella's, and I know for a fact that the day you want to talk about took place about, I would say, five, six months into your career mm-hmm. working at Kinsella Funeral Homes um, at the same time that you're working in the fire brigade. But given that we've just told some stories which legitimately had me almost wanting to run out of the room, like I felt really not okay during those stories, I think maybe this episode we could madly pivot directly into the direction of that dark door down the end of the corridor mm. and just run at it. So mm. I guess what I'd like to ask you, Dad, is... What other spooky stories do you have that took place during your time working at a funeral home? All right. Well, look, um, I don't know whether people believe in coincidence or chance, but I love telling you things, Paul, that you haven't heard before mm-hmm. or th- stories you think you know, but you don't. And it's so bizarre, listeners, that Paul has almost taken a, a slightly new direction in this podcast because one of the things that does happen with deceased people is that they have a build-up of gases. And I worked with a firefighter, and his name is Daniel, and he's a guy that I have not spoken to in, in probably 10 years. Mm-hmm. And dear, dear listeners... He told me a story 20 years ago. His sister worked at Manly Hospital in the mortuary and one night, about two in the morning, she was sent down to the small morgue in this small hospital on the northern beaches of Sydney in Manly. She was a young girl. She was probably in her very, very early 20s. She went down alone, down this long corridor, She came to a big door. She walked inside. The light was very dim. There were a few bodies in the mortuary. And as she approached one of the bodies, she'd been sent down to put a tag on this particular person. The body sat up, bolt upright. Shut up. And not only did it sit up, but it also let out the most demonic groan oh my God. from the bowels of its lungs. Now, she ran, terrified, and that is, I have, when we used to move the bodies around, remember how I told you and the listeners about rotating the arms to get them loosened? Yes. So you could put their hands together? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, in doing so, you would expel air from their lungs and it would make this like a deep bass sound. And it was so disconcerting, particularly if you were by yourself, to hear this groan. And I have witnessed bodies partially sit up, but this particular girl who witnessed the body bolt upright was a traumatic experience bearing in mind paul that 
there have been cases where they have put people in coffins and during the service they've heard a banging on the coffin no. and it turns out that the person was not dead because there are certain drugs and there are certain animals in the animal kingdom that if they bite you, one of them is the blue ringed octopus, mm-hmm. where if to an observer, you're dead. And then there's that, that puffer fish, and, and, and with voodoo, they use that white powder, and these are made up of toxins, and if, they, if you ingest them, you can appear to be dead, and that's why if you get bitten by a blue-ringed octopus, it's very important that they keep doing CPR on you and not give up on you. Right. Because you know that you're alive. So... But, but, but before you go, I need, mm. I need to let you and the listeners know something quite... Um, and I think it's a good segue, and it's, it's, it's very factual, and that is that um, 30 minutes ago, before I arrived home to do this podcast, Paul, uh-huh. I received a phone call from Daniel, and I haven't spoken to him and seen him in well over 10 years. So who's Daniel? He is the brother of the girl that was in the morgue that night that sat up. He is a firefighter that I used to work with. He calls me today to talk about something, God knows what, and then all of a sudden you and I are talking about his sister. Do you not find that extraordinary? That's very odd. I mean, coincidentally, it's amazing. I mean, it's also kind of in keeping with the general creepiness of... That's right. Did he get a sense that we were going to... I mean, it's just... Look, it's insane. But there are so many That's... things that we don't know about. And could I, could I tell you and the listeners a story... Um, Sort of a, 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 a real supernatural story? Yes. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One of the most important things about a funeral is the casket cover. Mm-hmm. And um, as the listeners know, I chose a beautiful casket cover for my... I don't, I don't know whether I discussed it, but it was Australian Natives for my dad a few weeks ago. Yeah. Basically, it's sort of... It's kind of the icing on the cake uh, without sort of demeaning the whole process, but it's very, very important. And they're beautifully made and they've got a special shape. They're, they're, they're sort of like an arch. So they go on top of the coffin uh, and they're connected to the coffin so that when you remove the coffin from the hearse, the flowers, you don't want them flying everywhere because mm. sometimes the family are present to watch that. Um, mostly you try and set the funeral up, the coffin up, prior to um, the family arriving so they don't get to see that. But sometimes the family like to assist with the removal of the casket from the back of the hearse. That's a whole, there's a whole episode on that. Um, but on this particular occasion, we were doing a very, very poignant funeral, and that's not to take away anything from any funeral, but there are degrees of funerals, believe you me. And this was a very important uh it was a, quite a <clears throat> quite a sad funeral. <clears throat> it was quite a sad funeral, which might sound to listeners well. Surely they're all they're all pretty sad. Yes, but this was um, this was a tough one. This funeral, and unbeknownst to to me, because our office did all the ordering of the beautiful flowers, and the flowers never never rocked up. And you, it would be almost worth cancelling a funeral if you didn't have the casket cover. Right now. I was in a situation where I was responsible for the funeral. Um, I'd, I'd done all the organising. Uh, the buck stopped with me. I wanted it was pretty early on in my funeral days, and I wanted it to go really, really smoothly. Um, and I just thought to myself, I'm stuffed. There was there was nothing I could do. And up at the northern suburbs crematorium, there is a beautiful garden there. And there's a section of the garden that, um, I mean, it's, they, they employ full-time gardeners and they do topiary, which is sort of shaping hedges and things. And, you know, there are these little lawns and, and it's a very, very beautiful, uh, well-kept place, particularly if it's in the northern chapel, which is the main chapel. There are four chapels and it's in the shape, funnily enough, of a cross, like in a cathedral. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really kind of feeling... Uh, I was suffering great stress and anxiety and I really had no excuse. I had to suck it up and and say to the family that, uh, look, I, I'm sorry on this final day where where you are going to pay your last respects to a loved one, I've I've totally I've ruined the thing with no flowers. It was a fairly big service. There were probably 150 people there. And all of a sudden... Uh, and this is where I want the listeners to just come with me on this, and I'm going to try and describe it as as best I can. So I had this feeling. Um, now, where did that feeling, where was I feeling that feeling? And I guess I was feeling it. Are you laughing, Paul? No, I just you're saying feeling a lot. No, no, I know I'm saying it a lot, but it wasn't a, a feeling from my um, from my brain. It was more a feeling from my heart, almost like a feeling of sort of that I had this sense of expectation and 
I was kind of led in a sort of a spiritual way over to this particular garden that I'd never really paid much attention to. And you had kind of look over this um, like a, a hedge. And when you looked into the middle of this garden, it was a really small garden, was a little fountain and rose bushes and, uh, you know, a couple of plaques. And I'm looking there and I don't know why I walked over there. I just have no idea. And it was minutes before the funeral and the coffin was still in the back of the hearse. It was like I was praying for a miracle. And I looked over and I almost had to sort of lean and arch my body in a fairly awkward way. And down on the grass, sitting there, this is one of these stories that I have never, ever been able to explain, ever. Sitting there on the grass, laid out perfectly, was a casket cover. And it was almost ethereal. It was almost not of this world. It was it wasn't, so was, was it the one you were meant to be getting? Was no. It the... No, it was something... Because, dare I say it, bringing, pulling us back to earth just for a second, uh, you have to pay for them. And it's not one price fits all. Hmm. You can go crazy. Can you imagine having rare orchids flown in from some incredibly exotic location in the I Pacific. Yeah, you know, you can pay what you want to pay. You mm. could pay thousands of dollars for a casket cover, right. the floral arrangement. Now, I looked down at these flowers and I looked around and I I just, I, I didn't know what to say. And I realised that they'd been put there. This is where listeners are going to go. Mm, there'll be two, probably two sides of the camp here. Uh, I believe that, and I'm a person that likes to, um, you know, base, I'm sort of pretty evidence-based, Yes, I, of course. I feel. You'd have to be after that many years working with the grim realities of things, yeah, you know. because I used to look for evidence. Yeah, of course. And I, and I was kind of thinking to myself, uh, but I realised very quickly that this was not a coincidence, this was not a chance finding, because I had no reason to walk over to this particular area. It's it's like something said to me that I can't describe. Go over to the bushes. Look, it's it's so incredible. But then when I reach down to pick up the beautiful casket cover, it had nothing attached except a blank, tiny little fold-out card, which meant that it wasn't for anyone in particular. It's impossible to have been put there. It nothing about this story makes any sense whatsoever. No one would take something that expensive and that bespoke and hide it out of the way, unmarked. And you don't do that. What there's a special place at the crematorium where all right. the casket covers go. And and all the funeral directors they go there up to I mean they they, they may well be getting sixty to a hundred casket covers a day. It's it's huge. That's insane. and this casket cover with an empty card, so we could then put what we liked inside it. Mm-hmm. And I just picked it up, and I took it over to the hearse, and we uh, we attached it. And in the olden oh shit, the olden in the in the days before other materials that are used, we used to use. And I think I've mentioned the the two paper clips and a couple of rubber bands. 
and we would un, un, unwind each paperclip and create this this invisible sort of uh, hook system which would travel through the casket cover, which no one could see, which is how we then would remove the coffin from the back of the hearse Yep. in the most almost... I would describe it as poetry in motion, watching three skillful funeral people remove a coffin and within a gliding arc, it goes from uh, in, in the back of the, uh, the hearse mm. and it just, it just glides up and it, it, it lands on their three shoulders and they reverse and turn. It's like, it's, it's, it's wonderful to watch. It's really good to watch when it's done well. Right. When it's done badly, it's... It is you just don't you don't want to even be in the funeral industry. You wish you were doing something else that day because it's it's terrible to watch. I have seen coffins removed from hearses and everything's going perfectly, but they didn't attach the casket cover, and the coffin ends up beautifully on top of the shoulders, and the casket cover keeps going like a projectile, and it flies through the air. Mm. It gets crumpled up. People are watching. Then you've got to go and pretend as though this is just part of the show. Yeah. Now, to the to the listeners, when my father passed away a few weeks ago, something happened that day that has that I was not aware of, and that was that Anne Wilson, the funeral director, she said to me, because at the end of the service, the funeral cover, the the beautiful flowers were sitting on top of the coffin and she actually said to me, would your mother like the casket cover? Uh, which is a lovely thing to do. Because when I worked in the funeral industry and for any people out there that think you use them twice, you don't. Because, and in future stories, we're going to talk about the committing of the coffin, but it goes out the back. I don't want to say too much about it, but I will say that the flowers are taken off the coffin, out of view, and they are put into a bin so their shelf life is really set up just for the duration of the funeral then they're destroyed so it's not as though i or anyone could have then gone to the back of the crematorium gone into the inner sanctum gone into this huge box of an amalgam of crushed flowers and somehow extricated one sad crushed casket cover somehow sneaked it around through the courtyards where there are people milling around and got it onto the coffin. That that did not happen. So the story to me, in my opinion, is that something um, something mysterious happened that day. So, okay, so that happened at a graveyard. And, you know, Tegan and I have actually, when we're in Mafra, we like to do kind of midnight walks through the local graveyard, especially when there's fog, because there is just something so deeply... I know anyone listening who believes in ghosts and believes in the supernatural probably thinks that's just like putting your head in a lion's mouth. But honestly, it feels like a very peaceful place. But you do feel that there is something just beneath the surface. And I know there is literally something just beneath the surface. But I mean, you do feel like there is an odd energy. Has anything happened to you, Dad? At, uh, at at graveyards, um, even if even if this is during funerals, that has been sort of inexplicable or wild. A um, a story for the listeners and yourself, Paul. Um, this story is it's one of those stories where you actually look back and think, "Was I there? Did I really see it? Did it happen? Have I imagined this whole thing? This story." 
is one of those terrible stories that you can only... If they put it into a film, Mm -hmm. I think people would look at it and think, that's silly and that would never happen. Uh, But I will tell you a story that happened on a dreadful, dreadful, terrible, rainy, rainy day. And we went to a... Because we used to do funerals all over Sydney. Yeah. Now, some cemeteries... I mean, all their soils vary incredibly. Some of them are very, very sandy. And when they dig a grave, they use an excavator. Maybe out in the country. I, I know that in, in, old, in olden days, in times gone by, they used to actually have two or three men and a shovel. Yeah. Maybe a few shovels. The dimensions of a grave are very, very specific. They are a certain length, a certain width, and a certain depth. And these guys, generally guys, and probably more and more women doing it now, they are generally employed by local councils because councils generally tend to own the cemetery grounds. They maintain them. And part of their job is to be a grave digger. And grave diggers have been around for a long, long time. And hard yakka. But with a... Let's take Ricky May, the, uh, the New Zealand jazz singer. He was, uh, without putting too fine a point on it, he was a, a fairly large man. And it's not one coffin size fits all. Uh, you can have an extra large coffin if you're a big person. And obviously they are going to dig an extra big hole. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you've got all sorts of dramas. Now, on this particular day... It had been raining in Sydney, and for those people in Sydney that know what a wet season is, it can rain for days. It can go almost for weeks. You never see blue sky. And it was a particularly rainy, wet, sodden, dark, eerie... It was a classic day if you wanted to film a horror film at a cemetery. Mm -hmm. And Rodney Kinsella... He was a brother of, uh, of Barry. Yep. He was also a mortician, but he could no longer do um, embalming. He became allergic to the fluids they use. He couldn't oh, wow. step into a, an area where the dead bodies were. He used to get me to go in and wheel them out. He couldn't even go into the mortuary. He had developed such a sensitivity to the chemicals. And he was a very, very good embalmer by all accounts. And... He wore. He used to love conducting, and he took it very seriously. And I never really. I, I'm trying to think. Did I ever see Rod smile? And it was a very rare occasion. He may have smiled possibly once a month. Uh, perhaps when he got paid. I don't know. But um, bearing in mind the Kinsella family, they were all highly educated. They'd been to the best private schools in Sydney, and they lived the high life. So. Rodney wore tails, he wore a top hat, uh, a very tall top hat. I'm not sure whether there is a standard height for top hats, but this one was a good 12 inches high. And we knew that the soil, it was like a quagmire. And it was a sad event. I mean, a funeral is sad generally, but if it's, it's, it's made that little bit sadder if, if the weather's terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the, the surrounding soil was, was bad. Now, because um, Rodney was the conductor, his job 
is to stand at the head of the coffin and he assists in the committal. Now, the committal of a body at a cemetery with the family standing around is where myself and all the staff, we would each grab... Uh, so what happened was we were standing there, the four of us in our suits. Rod was at the, at the head of the... Uh, uh, head of the coffin and we had we would we'd taken up the slack so we lifted the coffin in a position ready to lower into the hole but I looked down into the hole and I could see the hole was probably maybe eight to ten feet deep but I could see that it was filling up rapidly with water groundwater so in effect it was a small swimming pool right and just as we're about to commit the body uh, all of a sudden, I became aware that to my left, uh, a person that had been standing there, i.e. the uh, the conductor, he vanished. And the only thing left standing or in his position where he had been was his hat. He totally vanished in front of it. It was like an, a magic trick no. that was done so, so masterfully. And I realized that he hadn't disappeared. He'd actually vanished into the hole the grave he vanished into the grave into the the water's probably maybe four or five feet deep and it was beginning to cave in and 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 we were standing there and we realized that our our weight standing so close to the hole was beginning to create a cave in so not only had the conductor vanished uh and just left his hat which was kind of slightly I thought that was a little bit funny at the time. Um, but then we had to then drag the coffin to the side. Now, bearing in mind, Paul, that the family are watching all this take place. So did they see him fall in or did they as well turn around and suddenly a man had literally disappeared, which on a dark, rainy day in a graveyard is deeply creepy already. But the creepy, also the creepy part of this story mm. is that he was so muddy and wet and he then when we moved the coffin away and, and could look down into the abyss we saw these muddy black hands make their way up the side of the hole <gasps> and he looked yeah. as though he was the devil incarnate being being resurrected i, I and actually don't know giving birth to himself i don't know whether this is funny or scary because if, if you're if you're there you are not in a fun mood you would just be in pure you would be really emotionally vulnerable. So to have a man disappear and then to have, oh my God, it's no, like a zombie had movie. To, we had to reach down and mm. um, look, Rod was uh, a pleasant guy, but yeah. um, if I'm being very honest, um, I don't think we were as sad as we possibly would have been if he had been perhaps a little bit more of a cheerful chap. So if I can sort of give you a percentage wise of an internal part of me that thought it was actually kind of funny i'd give you a 40 percent funny and 60 percent serious okay 40 percent so, funny 60 percent serious correct now okay. i was i actually thought and then when i reminisced i began to to see that this was actually a very unusual event to uh to witness mm -hmm. and, and 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 look then i started to feel sorry for him because by the time we dragged him out it was like pulling a seal out of a a slurry of oil. He was covered in mud. He 
he had to wipe his eyes so we could see the whites in his eyes. And he just stood there and he kind of just lowered his shoulders and and, and left. Uh, he picked up his hat, yep. which was the only part of his outfit that wasn't um, covered in mud. Mm. So he kind of uh, walked off. He looked like a penguin from behind. And he. We, this was never, ever discussed. And then we then committed the body without him because he'd gone off to... I, I don't remember what happened to him. I know he'd made, made his own way to the funeral because he was sort of, you know, the, the man. Uh, and, I, and I don't know what the, the family... I, don't, I just don't know how they reacted. But that's pretty well all I remember from that particular event. One of the strange things about the whole loose units thing, Dad, is that quite a few stories that you tell from the police and the fire brigade and now the funeral home... And, and forensics and whatever, sometimes you tell a story and it seems slightly supernatural and you breeze past it. So mm. it's been really nice to actually just spend an episode sort of steeping into things that you found creepy. But I think what I may have found the creepiest, and this is harking back to the start of the episode, is that apparently I saw a man under the house and told you about it. And I have, and I promise you this is true, zero memory of that. I, how is that possible? It's very possible, Paul, because um, your mother and I realised that something weird was happening, had happened in that house. It had a pall of sadness and misery and we wanted to get you kids out of there and yeah. I'm going to talk to Christine tonight when she gets home. Okay. And she will be able to, able to give me some more information and perhaps at the beginning of next Friday's uh, Loose Ends, Yeah. if I have managed to turn up any more information about... Because Christine... She is very, very in tune with that sort of stuff. Believe yeah, she you is. me. She's, she's, lo- some, she's oh. had, you and her have ha- actually had a, I think it was on the podcast before, you you had, you had experienced lost time once in uh, Thailand. That's right. She vanished this, in a temple. Yep. This stuff actually happens and the fact that you guys are talking about it, I find thrilling and deeply upsetting. That's actually, Dad, all the time we have for this super creepy episode. I promise listeners next week, next week we will get back to Dad's day his incredible day at work at Kinsella that happened about six months into his time there and obviously this week marked the beginning of Electric Blue the book came out um Obviously, Electric Blue came out a couple of days ago. Thank you so much to everyone who um, came to our big book launch event. Uh, now, quite a few people couldn't make it. And Dad, what I actually did was I grabbed the audio from the night. So we will be popping up the... Um, I'll, I'll pop up kind of an edited version of the book launch event. Fantastic. Wonderful. As a bonus episode of the podcast awesome. later on. Awesome. The book, Paul, is... Yeah. It's my... my your grandmother went to um, a bookstore on the weekend mm-hmm. and they'd sold out. Amazing. Which is incredible. So what I would love people to do that have read the book is to review it. And, uh, and, I, and I'm saying that seriously. It's really important to review the book. It's a great book. It's a great read. And we want to get it right out there. So, Paul, what would be the best way for people to review your book? Well, I mean, going to Goodreads, uh, which is basically a like book review website. Go to Goodreads and give it a rating and review if you've if you've read it and enjoyed it. Um, if you're halfway through it and are really enjoying it and reckon you're going to keep enjoying it, yeah, just slam a rating and a review in there. 
Otherwise, just, you know, tell people about it, share it, and just seriously, thank you so much, everyone, for making the book launch such a big thing. Yeah, if you can leave a rating and review on Goodreads, that'd be amazing. Dad, I'm loving this season of the podcast. This might be one of my favorite episodes, by the way. I oh, think that's nice. Thank you. T- talking about creepy shit is just one of my favorite things, and I guarantee you we have absolutely ruined people's sleep for a couple of weeks. I think we've um, Fantastic. really upset people, yeah. So, uh, guess what? We'll be back on Friday with an episode of Loose Ends, but everyone take care of yourselves. And we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.